Morning, Faith Church. Great to see everybody. We just got back from DeWitt, and everyone started to come to DeWitt. It was great. A lot of people, no place to park. It was awesome. So God's doing some great things. So excited you're here today, starting off a new series. I am Nate. I am the DeWitt pastor, uh, campus pastor. And I'm Evan. I'm the Eastwood campus pastor. And we are the ones who, Kirk said, we're going to go through that inflatable. Heck no. Yeah. Here's the thing. No. Sitting right there in the corner hearing that, I thought, I will have a full body cramp. <laughs> I'll be done. Yeah, no, we, we tried it one time, and I got stuck in there. Mm. I just stayed in there till the next morning when staff arrived. They pulled me out. Super comfortable sleep, though. <laughs> yeah. It's filled with air. That That's is a great. true air mattress. <laughs> it's like quicksand, though. You'll never get out. So we'll watch you guys. Fair? This morning, I am excited to introduce to you the next series. But first and foremost, we just want to give you a heads up. We love to have fun. We love to make people laugh. We love to bring joy. So it's going to be a little more relaxed because we're going to have fun. Okay? Go ahead fair? and sleep if you need to. Saw three people. Whatever into you it. need. They were out. Yeah. And one of them was my dad. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Seriously, I was up there. I was like, Dad. Seriously. I'm a preacher. Encouragement I need. <laughs> Okay, so we've known each other for about a year and a half. <laughs> no. No, it's been a lot longer. Uh, I don't know dates. We don't know dates. We tried working this out earlier, and we don't know. We didn't have a milestone. I didn't write it in a journal somewhere. We just met each other in Sturgis, Michigan. Yeah, we, so we're from Sturgis, Michigan. We grew up there, uh, same church, went to the same school, all that stuff. He is six years older than me. Um, it's tough but, to tell, I know. Yeah, but we went to college at the exact same time. So late bloomer, this one. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing, a lot of wisdom. Yeah. The beard, that's what I need, wisdom beard. That's what I call it. So with that friendship, how we kind of started and how, how we have a similar journey and um, we have a lot of good things going on, but the main thing that kind of kicked off our friendship was just the fact that we love to uh, mess with people. We love to bring joy. We love to bring smiles to people's faces and change the perspective of how they're viewing it. We never messed with anyone to be disrespectful. That's not the point. We love to just have fun. And so I love challenges. Not that Evan's a challenge, but he's competitive. Okay? He's competitive. And so we would present always, we still do this, a challenge. Oh, wait a second. Since when did Taylor get a man bun? <laughs> When, yeah, when I'm a little weirded out by I that. I come back from Christmas break and you got a man bun up here. <laughs> Has he always had that? No. Who whose team cut off the man bun? A few. Who's, a couple. Whose team keep the man bun I going? I say leave it. I can't grow it. There's more. Yeah. Your hair migrated. Yeah, grow it if you it, yeah. Yeah, it sure did. This I'm is working awesome. on a comb over, guys. Protect my ears. <laughs> Wow, this is not in the notes. I'm sorry. Again, we're having fun. This is what it means to laugh in church, okay? Good times. Don't know where I'm at. We were talking about challenges. Challenges. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We compliment each other well, too. Uh, part of the challenging is things, early on, I would always challenge Evan because he's competitive. One of those environments that we challenge each other was in the drive-thru. Drive-thrus is a perfect place for creativity, Perfect place to mess with people in a fun way. 
So there's all kinds of stories. We would go to a drive-thru together, and we would challenge ourselves to only use the word hubba bubba. That's it. You could only say that. And part of the thing I love to challenge Evan especially is because this dude loves to laugh. And when he gets laughing, what happens to his body when he tries to stop laughing? Tears, jiggling, like all kinds of forces. He can't stop. He makes noises. Like all kinds of stuff comes out. I love it. So I like, I, I lean into that. I'm like, I'm doing that more. And so the whole point of the challenge was let's figure out how to do a challenge that's going to make him laugh and we're going to have fun. And so we started saying hubba bubba. They had no idea. It created chaos. The lady did not think we could communicate. <laughs> I was handed in the drive-thru, mind you, a pad of paper and a pen to communicate my order. Well, and what made it worse was it wasn't just haba baba. Like, we would say it like this, haba baba. And so that just threw her that much more. And then when she gave us the, the pad to write on, we wrote haba baba. <laughs> and so literally, she, we handed it back to her, and she goes, haba baba. <laughs> We're like, haba baba. And then we just left. Never seen somebody so speechless. Another time through the drive-thru, uh, we decided to use fake blood. The whole, idea, <laughs> the whole idea was to convince the McDonald's that their straws were sharp. <laughs> so I held fake blood in my mouth until I took a drink, and it came out, and I literally said, your straws are sharp. <laughs> so much so that the lady panicked, thought I busted an artery or something, <laughs> went and got the manager, and was forcing us to pull around and fill out a police report. 100%, we just took off. We're just like, we can't deal with that. We're gonna be arrested, we're trying to be pastors. <laughs> oh. We were out of there. Whew. There's all kinds of more stories, I'm not gonna share them today. Um, you got me going though. <laughs> They almost saw the glimpse of jiggling. <laughs> uh, the amazing thing is the fact that we get to work together. There's a spiritual bond that God has created. There is a context here that in ministry, we get to see and do things that we never thought we would ever do together. Like just the fact that we're pastors together working at the same church, Kirk allows that. It's fantastic. Evan decided to use the fake blood once on Michelle. Yeah, no, she was just standing in my office. I keep it in one of my drawers in there, like you do as a pastor. Um, and uh, I, I slammed... Anointing oil, fake blood. Yeah. They go hand in hand. I slammed my drawer shut, and I immediately pulled my hand up with blood all over it. And I was like, ah! And Michelle, I have two doors in my office, one to a different office and then one to the hallway. And she threw open both doors, because apparently she needed air. And uh, she just stepped out into the hallway and started yelling, Judy, to our office manager, because she couldn't deal with it. So we get in trouble. Yeah. Absolutely. Rule is, number one, when we started working together, no pranking each other. It would just get too intense. We've been down that road before. We worked at a factory together, and we pranked each other, and it was not good. And so uh, that is a truth. We, truty, truty, treaty, treaty, peace no, treaty. Trucing. Trucing, that's it. Plural. Um, so that's what we have set in place. But the fact that we know each other, have a good relationship, and we get to do ministry together. Man, it's hard to beat. And it, it, we love being able to work together. We work well together, right, Kirk? 
Yeah, see? He did this. That's average, guys. 50%. We're passing. And some rubrics. Uh, so this series plays right into that, and we can't wait to share that with you. Yeah, and so we're starting a brand new series today, but really it kicks off next week. Today we're just setting it up, and it's all around this book right here called The Road Back to You, written by Ian Cron. Now, Ian Cron is a former pastor who now is an author and, and a, um, a therapist, a Christian therapist, and this book is all about the Enneagram, and he's going to tell you in just a moment uh, what the Enneagram is, that personality test, um, but I want to briefly just talk about the importance of relationships, because this is a cornerstone to our faith. You see, uh, God, when he was creating stuff in the book of Genesis, he uses um, this phrase. He says that, that humans are created in our image. And that's key. He didn't say that humans are created in my image. He says our image. And what that is, it is an indication that God himself is more than just one being. That God is a triune God. That, that you may have heard the term tr the Trinity before, and that means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so it's talking about God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And so we see glimpses of Jesus even being present in the uh, Old Testament, even though his name is never actually spoken there. Instead, it says that we are created in God's plural image. There's even a moment where, where someone asks God, what is your name? And he says, my name is Elohim. Elohim itself is a plural word. It's just like my friend Rachel right here. It's like if I asked her, what is your name? And she said, my name is Rachel's. That's what God was responding. He's trying to communicate that I myself, I am a relationship. I am a triune God. I am the Trinity. I am God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God himself is all about relationship. God himself is all about community. And if we are created in his image, that means that we are wired for relationships. We are wired for community. And here's the, the thing. It's so simplistic yet mind-blowing. Every single person ever created had some type of relationship in their life. With their children, their parent, their, their spouse, their neighbor, coworker, teacher, whatever it is, every single person has relationships in their life. And that means the more we study relationships and how we can interact with each other and with God, the greater we can have an understanding of this life. In the New Testament, or sorry, in the Old Testament, there's 613 commands. And we praise Jesus that we don't have to abide by every single command anymore. Because there's no way we can fulfill 613 commandments. Jesus fulfilled that for us. But in the New Testament, he gives us a new covenant, a new promise to live by. And within that, he gives us only 59 commands. But here's the beautiful thing, because that even sounds like a lot. Here's the beautiful thing about those 59 commandments that he gives us in the New Testament. Almost every single one has the phrase, each other or one another in it. And it's all because we are wired for relationships. We are wired for uh, community with one another. 
And so the reason why we're doing a series all about relationships, all about how we're wired, how God created us, is so that way we can then turn it around and love God better and love each other better. That's what we're diving into in this series. So a little bit about the history of the Enneagram. We have, we're using this book, like we said, but in this book, it's all built off the t- personality test called the Enneagram. The Enneagram's been around for a long time. Actually, we find first evidence of it being wrote uh, or written on was uh, through a monk. And I don't know if I can pronounce his name right. How would you pronounce it? Here we go. Evagrius Ponticus. Evagrius Ponticus. It's a great name. Great name, very popular. Also known as Evagrius the Solitary. And he was a Christian monk, and he was one of the most influential theologians in the late 4th century church. The cool thing is what he wrote on, what he journaled about, um, was all about spiritual solutions, about our blindness and addiction to self. So even at the 4th century, this monk, what he was trying to uncap... um, bring out in his writings, and, and there was some measure of knowing what's, what's the problem right now with our culture, isn't far off where we are today. We find that a lot with spiritual writers. And so what we're looking at this book and this Enneagram as simply a tool. It's not a solution. It doesn't have all the answers. It doesn't bring salvation. But what we think and what we believe this is, it's going to be a tool used by the Holy Spirit for spiritual formation. For us to gain closer proximity to Jesus, to to look more, to love more like Jesus. And so this test has nine numbers, one through nine. I happen to be an Enya seven. It is the greatest number. Thank you. I get a pause. No, actually, it's not the greatest number. That's part of my problem. I'm cocky. (laughs) No, but... uh, Enneagram 7, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to spend each week on each number. We're going to uh, bring out that number, talk about the number, and then we're also going to talk about a biblical character that most likely has that number as well. So there's all kinds of great things that we're going to dive into we're super excited about. But part of this spiritual dynamic that we call the Enneagram, the best place that we've found that we can really see this on paper from the Bible is in Genesis chapter 3. I want to go and walk you through that. You're going to have to move, Evan. I'm going to have to walk you through uh, just a little bit of Genesis 3. I get passionate about it, so I'm not going to try to take on too much time here. But it really is, on paper, one of the best representations, the, the best application of what it looks like in an internal conversation with yourself on paper. The humanness of what it looks like to be tempted of what it looks like to try to move forward and try to navigate through temptation and where sin lies. And I, I just can't, I can't wait for us to have more of an awareness for this in our church as well as each other. By the way, I feel like Vanna White standing next to this. You really do look like her. Thank you. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. You ready, Vanna? Got it. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly, you will... You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit 
of the tree was good for, the, for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I want to pause right here. There's more to it. I'm going to read more in just a moment. But even this dynamic up front, this is not just about a woman. This is not all about a woman. It's about a human experience that we all go through. We all are tempted. There is an enemy. There is Satan. There is a serpent. There's a tempter. And we are tempted to move away from God. We all experience it. I feel like this is more of an internal dialogue that we all process through that we all behave, that we all act, that we try to move forward, but really moving forward, if we trust ourselves, like she trusts herself in this moment, it ends up moving away from God. We need to know more about that. We need to learn. We need to have more awareness. We need to know more of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus wants us to do in those moments. And it's not about legalism. It's not about having more rules and more ways to operate. 613 laws of Torah, we can't do that. It's not about perfection. It's literally about freedom through Jesus Christ. And so we find out more, the more and more of this dynamic of how we operate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. Shame entered in. Immediately, their eyes were opened. They died to a spiritual dynamic that has not been brought back until Jesus. So they sewed fig leaves and together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the first time in the garden. Imagine having cool walks with the Lord, and all of a sudden then their eyes are open, shame comes, they hide. You know what that's called today? Isolation. Isolation is not just moving away from community and church, it's moving away from God. I was a youth pastor for seven years, and I saw this all over the place with the next generation coming up. And this generation doesn't know what to do, and I'm not trying to overgeneralize. I'm not saying this is every um, teenager. Please hear me on that. I'm not jaded towards this at all. But I just saw so many families that were struggling with their kids that would not leave their bedroom. They were compelled to stay alone, to be alone in their bedroom, to interact with a video game or interact with people online so it was safe. They, they had so much fear and anxiety they couldn't leave their room. You know what that is? That's isolation. Even adults, if you sit down and ask, how was your day? We fight to really answer that question honestly. How are you doing? My answer always is fine. <laughs> I'm moving away. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to admit I got upset this morning. I was angry. I fought with my wife over a bowl of cereal. No, that, I don't know. It's just I don't want to be honest with what's really going on. I want to hide. I want to isolate. And isolation fosters all kinds of problems. Moving on, again, I'm getting passionate. Sorry, Evan, I'm taking up time. Uh, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Fear, anxiety, that's not new. And we think today we see more of it, but it's not new. And it's not more powerful than Jesus. There still is an answer. There's still hope. There's still power in Jesus that can bring freedom. So I hid, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You know what's next? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Blame. Blame is isolation, too. 
It's diverting attention away from yourself so you can blame another person so you don't have to deal with really what's going on. Much easier to blame someone else. They're the ones that's the problem. My grandpa used to say something funny. It's not me that's the problem, it's the world. And he would laugh. He was a joke. But really, that's kind of the way we operate. If somebody's late for work, man, it's their fault. But if I'm late for work, I understand. It was okay, just one time. It's so different perspective. It's not anything new. And we see this here. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And again, this is the core dynamic, I believe, the spiritual dynamic that really helps. We have one more. You forgot. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Come on, Vanna. There we go. Come on, Vanna. Spin those numbers or letters. Um, this dynamic didn't change. Even Jesus going to the cross, his conversation with the disciples. I love this verse, and it captures it so um, amazingly. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Jesus is saying this to the disciples as he's moving towards the cross. Salvation, to bring salvation to everybody, to save everyone from their sins. And there's a point even in that where we can only take so much. And there's a timing piece. There's a timing to our spiritual formation, to the spiritual dynamics of what's going on and moving forward, moving more towards uh, Jesus, loving more like Jesus. The timing, uh, we're hoping and praying, the Holy Spirit brings truth, brings community, and bring some awareness to where you're at. And there's so much more I could say about this. I've seen this even in, in, uh, in seminary. It was my first interaction with it. Um, uh, we had a one-credit class along with all the other stuff that was going on, and this one-credit class was all for spiritual formation. And the spirit formation, what their, what their understanding is, pastors struggle so much with, the, with being honest with where they're at. Because we can quickly get into shepherding and loving and being there for other people, but then we're drained when we're at home. And there's a history, church history. Just look at church history. Do some research on some of the previous pastors, and they treated their spouses horribly. There wasn't a healthy dynamic in the marriage or at home. And so seminaries are even getting understanding of this. We need help. We need safety to communicate and to really lean into what's going on in our own life and being honest and being vulnerable and so my interaction with the Enneagram was first in that. And in a season where it was just full of learning. And it was an incredibly eye-opening experience. And it, I've even brought it into my family. Now we know our kids, all their numbers, and, and Becca's number. And it's the dog. I think the dog's at eight. I don't know. She's really demanding. <laughs> and then the other one's, uh, I would say, a seven? Well, we call her Eeyore. She's probably a four. Very, very moody. Anyways. I got off. That was good stuff, though. I felt like I was up there, man. Yeah. No, you were. You were sailing. That was good. Uh, it's getting a little hot in here. It's getting a little hot. I'm just really glad that that was tucked in. <laughs> you would have seen a lot more. Just kidding. That's just another reason why we get along. Hey, just hold on, though. I'm going to be honest, though. Yeah, go blue. Amen. It's going to be a, it's a, okay. Okay. We get it. You know your colors. Um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a tough game today. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Playing state at home, 130. I feel like we try to be realistic. <sighs> we yeah. are. Yeah. We're, re we're real. real uh, realistic. Yep, yeah. that word. 
Okay, anyway, so now we're going to dive into just briefly talk about like how we're going to go about this. So we're in a 10-week series, which seems like a lot, but this is week one right here. And so next week, we're going to jump into the Enneagram type one, and then we're going to go two, three, all the way through nine. And so that's what we're jumping into, and all of it is based around the book, The Road Back to You. And uh, the, the staff spent a lot of time in this. And uh, actually, my wife had been, oh, by the way, um, when Kirk was like, I've been trying to get rid of Evan for quite some time, yeah. um, there was a board member right back here on this side who turned to me and was like, we only keep you because of your wife. He's <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Kate. I'm Kate aware of that. You. She saves you. He doesn't need to rub it into my face, but okay. Anyways. But my, my wife for like a few years has been telling me, hey, you need to get into the Enneagram. It's really interesting to me. I love it. I'm a late adopter. And what that means is uh, you tell me to do something, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I promise you that, okay? And so she was like pushing this personality test on me. I'm like, no, 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 don't tell me what to do. And finally, she stopped telling me about it. And so then I started looking into it, okay? Um, and so the whole staff, we got into this. We read the book, uh, took a, a test that cost six to get a better understanding of how we are wired to connect with God and with the people around us. And, and by our staff taking this, it has been revolutionary for our staff, how we communicate to each other, how we understand how each other operates and works, the various needs that we need. It is amazing. So for instance, like to give you a little glimpse into my marriage with my wife, she's an Enneagram type nine. Now nines are all about peacemakers. They love peace. They love to um, just uh, make sure everything's good everywhere they go. They run from conflict. I'm an Enneagram type five. Fives are called the investigator. Fives love to research, go after information. They communicate facts, okay? Now, you might be connecting the dots there. My, one of my problems with how I communicate to people is I communicate facts, it doesn't mean I'm trying to be harsh with you or cold with you or that I'm mad at you. That's just, that's how I communicate. I'm just sharing. This is the truth. This is the information, whatever that situation is. And so my wife and I, she's like, over there right now. I see the look. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Oh, it. shoot. I'm sleeping in the inflatable tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> the way I would communicate to her, she would shut down and clam because to her, it kind of felt like a little bit of conflict. And I'd just be like, what is wrong with this person? Um, no, like I just needed to learn why I'm communicating that way, why I'm wired to communicate that way, and how she's wired to receive something differently. And so this book and understanding Again, these roots are in the Christian faith, are in how we are wired for spiritual formation with God. And so this book has been revolutionary for our marriage, for how we look at our kids, because we're trying, we're trying to identify which number our kids are and how to um, speak to them in, in more impactful ways, stuff like that. But it's been revolutionary in our, in our uh, church staff with our friends. It has been an amazing experience with us. 
And so it may feel a little bit uncomfortable to, to do like a personality test within the church, but here's what we love about this. All right, I, I talked earlier about how um, in the New Testament there's 59 commands, which again, that seems like a lot. How in the world am I supposed to fulfill six or 59 commands? But, but the beautiful thing is, is that Jesus, when people were asking him, hey, what is the greatest commandment? He responded with this right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, which I love this because the guy talking to Jesus only asked for one. And Jesus, for some reason, which we'll get into in just a moment, uh, he gave him two. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is why he gave him a second command. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Meaning Old Testament, 613, New Testament, 59. And Jesus says, listen, everything, all of that can be summed up in two easy to remember things. Love God with absolutely everything you have in your life. Love him with all of your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, your finances, your work, uh, your relationships. <coughs> Talk too fast there. <coughs> Woo. Love your God with everything you have. And then right behind that, love your neighbor as yourself. As long as you can do these two things, you are fulfilling the entire law and everything that was prophesied. That right there is some of the most important information that could ever be communicated in the Bible. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And we believe by diving into the Enneagram, by understanding your personality, how God wired you to connect with him and to connect with others, the more we understand that, the better we can be at fulfilling those two things. The better we can be at loving God with everything we have and loving the people around us as ourselves. So that's why we're jumping into this series, and we're so excited for it. Hey, great job. Thank you. Appreciate I'm going to wrap this up so we can get something to eat. <laughs> this is another thing we love. We love food. drive throughs Oh, yeah. Hi, yeah. All the time that we got to mess with people, we got to eat. Let me tell you, we ate. <laughs> so how do we wrap this up? Where do we go from there? The so what moment. You don't have to move quite no, yet. No, I do. Okay. So what? Where do we go? Where do we, what do we do with this? Um, in the time that I first interacted with the Enneagram, I was in a, in a point where I was just learning a ton of things. I was researching, writing papers, doing just a ton of stuff, which is great, getting more of the Bible knowledge. It's all fantastic. But I came across a quote that really summed up kind of what I was going through. And Thomas Kempis said this, a humble knowledge of thyself is a sure way to God than a deep search after learning. I absolutely love the fact that we, get, we have the opportunity and the ability to learn more about God. I will never discount that. But for me, what it became was more of a crutch. I wanted to learn another good idea. I wanted to entertain. I wanted to understand and unpack the best idea so people would be like, well, I've never looked at it that way. Instead of realizing what the Holy Spirit and what Jesus was really doing to me, my heart, my soul. Where was I in that moment? What was God communicating to me? And I feel like understanding more of thyself a humble way, is definitely more of, it's not saying the answer is found within. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying how can you not learn more about Jesus, the creator, by looking 
more in a humble way about how we live. And so there's two challenges that we want to challenge you with and also two prayers we want you to pray for this series. First challenge is to take the test. There are tons of free tests out there all over the place. The free tests we found maybe aren't the most accurate. They aren't the best. So the test that goes along with the book is actually $60. If you're at a place that you can pay that, fantastic. But there's actually, we would recommend a better way, instead of going after the free tests, just to buy the book. And there's actually a free option for the book, too, we learned. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an app called Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. Um, and if you have a library card, which you don't, just go get one. They're free. Um, plug your library card information into the Hoopla app, and you can download a digital version of it for free for 21 days. I always have my library card on me. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't. Um, so first one, take the test. And what we find the most accurate way, actually, without the free test and without paying for the test, is getting the book and reading the book. Each chapter has a number, and the number has an accurate description at the end. There's a summary, or even at the beginning, I remember. But you read that description, that summary, and you just ask God, is this, is this me? You ask your spouse, you ask someone you respect or someone you disrespect. It doesn't matter. You just ask, who do I operate most like? What's, what number do, resonates most with me? And once you find that, we want you to bring that back to the series. And we're going to be talking about each number, like we said before. We don't want you to miss a week. Because I'm telling you, the highest form, I believe the actual, the best way to live is the way of Jesus. And Jesus, I saw more empathy out of him than anybody else that's ever walked this earth. He honestly put himself in other people's shoes over and over and over. So the beauty of this series is we get to come every week and discover more about other people and not walk around saying, my number's the best, but to really say, I have an opportunity to learn more about other people. Well, I mean, for instance, like next week, type one, they tend to be like the perfectionist. How many of us know someone who is a perfectionist? Okay, so a lot of hands. That means that you could benefit oh, yeah. by coming next week and hearing about a perfectionist. And sevens love to mess with ones. Oh, it brings us so much joy. <laughs> oh, man, I love making things crooked. Oh. Anyways, that's a weakness of sevens, okay? Two prayers. We want you to pray, and we want to pray with you. A staff is not separate of this at all. We're going to be praying these prayers for ourselves. We're going to be praying it for you. And this, they are, number one, Jesus, help me to see the way you see me. We want to move closer to Jesus, no matter what we do. And this is just a tool. And so we're going to be praying, Jesus, help me to see the way you see me. And lastly, Jesus, help me to see the areas of growth in me so that I can love you and others more. So Jesus, help me to see the areas of growth in me so that I can, help, I can love you and others more. That's the point, to love Jesus, to love others, to love yourself, to move closer to who he is and to love with his kind of love. Anything you want to add? Job well done. See, he communicates emotion. I felt a warm fuzzy. <laughs> you guys feel that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity just to sit a moment and to listen to your Holy Spirit talk more about ourselves. 
Father, there's all kinds of spiritual dynamics, and we know that you're the author. You, you know us better than we know ourselves, and we're just asking for us to have more of an awareness. We're asking that you would just allow us to see ourselves the way you see us, with your identity, to know the areas that we are weak, to be humbly moving towards those areas and saying, Jesus, I need community. I need other people to help me in this. I don't want to be alone. I don't want isolation. I don't want to move from you. I want to move towards you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray you would anoint Faith Church to be a welcoming environment, to respect and love people, and to be honest and vulnerable with where we're at and how we can help each other. We love you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.